Hi, this is Mike Delavan and Mike Posey, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Sunday sermon. It is Sunday. February 19th. We're continuing in our series, Word to the Wise, Themes from the Book of Proverbs. So far, we've talked about gaining wisdom in our relationship with God regarding how we view Him, and even gaining wisdom in the work that we do. Today, we're going to look at part three, and we're going to hone in on that word, word, W-O-R-D, the lead word in the title of our series. And I want to start by asking you some questions that hopefully will make you go, hmm. First up, Why is it that doctors call what they do a practice? Why is the man who invests all your money called a broker? Why is the time of day with the slowest traffic called rush hour? Why do they call apartments apartments when they're all stuck together? Why is the word abbreviation so long? One of my favorites here is, why do we drive on parkways and park on driveways? And why is it when you transport something by car, it's called a shipment? But when you transport something by ship, it's called cargo. You see, the words we use to communicate can be very powerful. So we need to be very careful how we use them. Words can make us happy or sad. They can make us angry or fill us with joy. They can make us laugh or cry. They can heal or they can hurt. Words are an important part of life. We ask, what's the good word? Hey, what's the latest word? Or we may say, Now there's a man or woman of their word, or there's a man of few words. Parents may say to their children, choose your words carefully because you may have to eat them. I grew up hearing that a lot. Or they may warn their children not to use any four-letter words. Words are very powerful. When Sigmund Freud discovered that symptoms of emotional distress could be relieved by simply talking to his patients, he was amazed. Years of medical training had conditioned him to think of people as merely biological entities. He had concluded that problems like anxiety and depression must reflect some sort of physical disorder treatable only through medical intervention. If Freud had spent time reading the book of Proverbs, he would have discovered the power of words long before he did. Listen to what God's word has to say about the power of words. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue can bring life or death. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Proverbs 13.3 Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Proverbs 16.24 Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And lastly, Proverbs 20.19 A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. Words have the power to heal, and words have the power to destroy. When our boys were young, I wanted to be involved in their activities as much as I could. For instance, our oldest played Little League Baseball for a time. I loved to watch his games. But every so often there was a parent that would scream at their kid, Get your head in the game! What are you thinking? Come on, you can do better than that! And the kid just felt shame. He was discouraged, and he couldn't seem to play at his best. Even if he tried as hard as he could, he still heard that voice of condemnation. But I really loved hearing those parents who were cheering for their kids. They'd say things like, You can do it. Way to go. Good hustle. Good job. I'm really proud of you. 
When kids hear their parents cheering them on, it gives them courage and confidence, and it motivates them to try as hard as they can. Proverbs 25.11 says, Timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. In the time we have left today, I want to talk more about this verse, as well as make you aware of three ways that we speak. Let's talk about it. The first way we speak is with shallow words. That's right, shallow words. During the course of his sermon, a preacher wanted to emphasize the shortness of life. He took a long pause, then said, every member of this church is going to die. But to his surprise, a man in the back row responded to that statement with a big smile. He said it again, this time louder. Every member of the church is going to die. And he said it yet again, even louder than before, but the man was still smiling. So after the service, the preacher went back and found the man and asked, Why in the world did you smile so big when I said every member of this church is going to die? The man erupted with a huge smile and said, Because I'm not a member of this church. Unfortunately, the words we use don't always have the effect we want. Sometimes we'll say words meant to spur someone on toward action, but they fall on deaf ears. Sometimes the words we use to try to encourage people are interpreted as patronizing or even condescending. Sometimes we don't know what words to use, and we choose ones that end up doing more harm than good. And sometimes the words we speak have very little meaning at all. Many of our polite greetings like, Hey, great to see you. Let's get together sometime. Hey, how are you? Or have a nice day. They are gracefully disguised ways of saying, keep your distance. I'm just being polite. Now, I'm not saying that happens all the time, but many times it does. Often our words say one thing, but mean quite another. Ephesians 5 verse 6 says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Some words may sound good to our ears, but they can do serious damage. The prophet Jeremiah indicted the religious leaders of his day because they spoke these types of shallow, empty words. He said in Jeremiah 6, verses 13 and 14, From the least to the greatest, their lives are ruled by greed. From prophets to priests, they're all frauds. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. So what were they guilty of? They were guilty of speaking words that the people wanted to hear, but they were lies. Their words had no meaning, and because of it, they were punished. There are a lot of people that, when they go to church, they want to hear words that sound good and exalt the individual. But God's word doesn't always tell us what we want to hear, such as Romans 3.10. It says, no one is righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Or Jeremiah 17, 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And then Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, I may not like to read or listen to those things, and you may not like them either, but we need to hear them because they are truth. God's word will always tell me what I need to hear, and we need to proclaim that truth to others so that they can turn from their sins and receive salvation from Jesus Christ. However, in Jeremiah's day and in ours as well, far too many people would rather just speak shallow words that have no real meaning or value to them. If you've ever flown on an airline, you know the drill. Once the flight has landed, everyone is walking down the aisle to exit the aircraft, and the flight stewards are standing by near the exit door with grins on their faces, and they say, have a nice day, 
Good to have you with us today. But are those sincere words or not? We may never know, but at times the whole exchange seems a bit insincere. When I fly, I don't make any demands of the stewards. I'm usually quiet, reading, working on my laptop, or trying to take a quick nap. So perhaps when I walk by those folks, their words, good to have you with us today, come honestly. But what about the person who's loud, obnoxious, and constantly complaining about their seat or the lack of food choices, etc.? When they go down the aisle, I wonder if the words, good to have you with us today, might really mean something else. There are times we do the same thing within the body of Christ. We try to be polite, but our words ring hollow. They mean something else, and they encourage no one. Recently, I called a friend to check up on him. I asked how he was doing, and immediately he went into a 15-minute story about all the pains, struggles, and problems he was dealing with. At the end of the conversation, he said with a chuckle, I'll bet you'll never call and ask me how I'm doing again. We both chuckled at that, but one thing became very clear from that conversation. We often speak polite words, but shallow words. It's not necessarily because we don't care, but because we don't think we have the time or we don't make the time to go deeper. If we truly want to be more than just acquaintances, more involved in people's lives, more of a community, then we must go beyond shallow surface level communication. But I think we are more comfortable with shallow words and surface level communication because we don't want to uncover too much about ourselves. We fear rejection or even condemnation, or maybe it's because we don't want to get to know too much about the other person, so we stay in the shallows where it's comfortable. Here's the thing, though. We can never really know each other without going past surface-level communication. We can never be the community we need to be without getting a little deeper. We can never truly encourage one another until we go beyond shallow words. And yes, that means opening up and becoming vulnerable. I recently talked to a pastor friend who told me a story about his mom, and I really want to share it with you today. He said before his mom had rededicated her life to Christ, she was not a very faithful churchgoer, but that when she did, there was always one lady that would make a special effort to greet her. The lady would come up to his mom and say, oh, it's good to see you. I was hoping you'd be here today. And his mom would politely say, well, thank you. It's good to be here. How are you doing? And the lady always responded, I'm blessed. My friend said those words spoke volumes to his mom. He said she knew that that lady didn't always have a good day or the best circumstances, but she couldn't deny that this lady was blessed. His mom wanted the same peace, and to a large extent, it was those very words from that woman at church that encouraged her to rededicate her life. Proverbs 25:11 says, Timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. The second way we speak is with hurtful words. Once we see that words have power, we've got to harness that power with a clear awareness that words can both tear down and build up. Proverbs 21:23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. We've got to learn to harness the power of the tongue. Because our words are like a sharp knife in the hands of a surgeon, they can heal, but in the hands of a careless child, they can kill. Proverbs 18:21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. James 3.8 says, the tongue is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Our words can crush a person's spirit, and they can leave a person feeling hurt and hopeless. For example, a middle-aged man had been fighting depression for most of his adult life. Several psychiatrists had agreed that the root problem was chemical and needed to be treated with antidepressant medication for the rest of his life. Finally, it was discovered through counseling that the man's father, who was a self-made millionaire, repeatedly said to him, Son, 
I suspect when you take over the family business, you will destroy it. These words stung more painfully each time he heard them. When his father died, the man felt driven to work unrealistic hours to prove his father wrong. The pressure that relentlessly gnawed at him was quieted only by alcohol. Soon a serious drinking problem developed and his wife threatened to leave him. Finally, he succumbed to ongoing depression for which he could find no relief in drugs. His life was devastated by the power of his father's tongue. As I've been saying throughout this sermon, words have great power. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but names or words will never hurt me. They didn't have a clue about what they were talking about. Not one clue at all. It's likely that every person listening today has been hurt because of something that was said to them. It's also likely that every person listening here today has said something that has hurt someone. Usually we don't mean to hurt people. The words just come out. It's as if you can see the words leaving your lips and you want to grab them and put them back in as fast as you can, but you can't. Or the moment you press the send button on a text or email and it's gone. Now it's too late. The damage is done. We can often forget the hurtful words we speak, but we rarely ever forget those hurtful words spoken to us. They have a way of lingering in our lives, and they can cause emotional distress, bitterness, and even resentment. And we harbor these hurts, and we lash out at other people as a result of them. It's a vicious cycle. Sometimes we say that the sharp words we speak were meant as a joke, but those who receive those words don't see it that way. I remember being on the receiving end of something like that once. There was a fellow from a previous ministry that I liked, and I thought we had developed a pretty good relationship. He had a tendency to joke with people that he was close to, so I felt that that was moving in the right direction for us. So one day he made what he thought was a funny comment about my appearance, not knowing that I was very sensitive about that at the time. To make a long story short, his joking did great damage to our relationship. Maybe I was overly sensitive, but the point remains that the words were the instrument of damage. And the last way that we speak is with life words. Words not only sting, but they can soothe. More importantly, they can inspire, encourage, and give life. Proverbs 15.4 says, gentle words are a tree of life. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul instructs us, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. A friend of mine told me about a time he was a youth counselor at a church camp. During the week, they had various types of activities. They had Bible classes, prayer groups, worship services, hiking, and other outdoor activities, including sports competitions. All the kids were having a great time, but there was one boy named Billy, he said, who was overweight. Billy really hated sporting events because he just couldn't compete. On the last day of camp came the event that he dreaded most of all, the relay race. They had to run all the way around the track before passing the baton, and he knew that if he ran as fast as he could, he would be out of breath before getting halfway around the track. The others on the team decided to make him run first so the fastest kids could finish the race. The horn sounded and Billy started running. Within a few seconds, he was already well behind the others. His team yelled at him, others laughed at him, and by the time Billy got halfway around the track, he just started walking. He just couldn't take being ridiculed anymore. One of the counselors saw what was happening and ran out to Billy, put his arm around him and said, I know you can do it. I'll run with you. With that, Billy picked up the pace. The other counselors told their kids to cheer for him and encourage him. Soon Billy stepped it up a little more. He never ran very fast, but he finished the course with tears in his eyes and the others cheering for him and clapping their hands. 
Some of the other kids were also crying because they saw firsthand the power of their words. 2 Timothy 4 verses 7 and 8 say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. We too, beloved, are in a race and we need encouragement. We too need to hear those words that inspire, encourage, and give life. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. But we not only have a cloud of witnesses, we also have each other. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let me bring this sermon to a close. I hope today has given you some practical application for your words and a deeper understanding of the kinds of words we speak. We're all working at this together. No one is perfect when it comes to what we speak, when we speak, and how we speak. It's a journey of gaining wisdom as we grow in our knowledge of God's Word. It's truly full of principles that can really make or break our relationships. Word to the wise. Communication is key in any thriving relationship, and the Word of God is our source of helpful communication tools. Consider this week where you need to grow in this area. Seek accountability with others or pray and ask God to help you grow. You could even do something really amazing and practice being present and silent in the life of someone who just needs a friend. Whatever you choose to focus on this coming week, remember this verse from Proverbs 25. Verse 11 says, Timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, Lord, help us to learn when to speak and when to stay silent. Please let our words be encouraging and uplifting to others. Let them be like golden apples in that silver basket. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.